We lost a great race car driver on January 30th, 2020, a beloved fundraiser for Riley's Children's Hospital and fierce advocate for colon cancer screening. John Andretti's accomplishments behind the steering wheel were only exceeded by his humanitarian efforts. With an unparalleled life and career to celebrate, I've assembled a podcast feature that makes 16 stops along the way, all told by those who knew him and loved him. His legendary uncle, Mario Andretti, said it best. Try to, to put together how many drivers have driven midgets on dirt, asphalt, sprint cars on dirt, asphalt, sports prototypes, indie cars, stock cars, and top fuel. You tell me who has done all that. No one. No one that I could ever remember. I mean, that I could ever put together. I mean, there's no way there's another one that has done all that. He's alone. He's alone there. In the 13th installment of Remembering John Andretti, we have Kyle Petty, who tells us about 1994, John joining the Petty Enterprises NASCAR program, and how the Petty family and Andretti family came together as one shares insights about John's amazing win at Martinsville and so many other facets of a truly special time in John's career and also the ongoing relationship between these two iconic families. All brought to you in the Marshall Pruitt podcast by the Justice Brothers, Cooper Tires, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA. I tell people this all the time, and this is crazy. So I will go ahead and preface it with the crazy word. Race people believe that there's nothing they can't beat and nothing they can't fix. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we all believe that. We all believe that. Whether it's us, whether it happens to somebody else um, that we know or care about or love, uh, we just believe eventually we can get this thing fixed, man. We can beat the fenders out, put another set of tires on it, change the spark plug, throw some gas in it, we'll be gone again, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're going to finish a few laps down, but we're going to finish, you know? And I think that's what everybody kept waiting for, no matter what was, what the prognosis, what, what he went through. I think we just all kept waiting for that one, that one little bit of news that you said, okay, there's, there's our sign. We'll hang our hat on that one and <clears throat> take this one and move on down the road. But it, it did, I think it did at the time and when it came, you know, it just, it was just, and there is no good time, don't get me wrong, but it, I think it's, it just caught everybody off guard. You know, the, the life and times of John Andretti, I have always appreciated John more than most drivers for the immense talent that he had, right, Kyle? That's not, that's not unique, and that's not saying anything negative, but you and I know, uh, whether it's yourself, your father, there's hundreds of race car drivers we can think of where we say, good Lord, they are blessed with immense talent. Very few, though, can we say, have the passion for motor racing to the level that John did based simply on the fact of racing and winging in NASCAR, in IndyCar, in IMSA, uh, top six in his first Le Mans, sprint cars, midgets, uh, he raced at the Bathurst 1000. I mean, this is a man, dragsters. <laughs> he yeah, beat the I defending know. champ, Joe Amato, in his first run, right? Yeah. This is someone whose talent, while <laughs> amazing, he had a passion. I mean, if you went to the grocery store, the two of you, and you had shopping carts, 
there's going to be a race. Share some thoughts about that, brother, because this is what made him so unique to me. He loved racing more than I think just about anybody. Yeah, there's a difference between love and passion. Uh, a lot of people love the sport. A lot of people love the, to drive. Um, a lot of people love the automobile, you know what I mean? Um, but John loved all of that, but he had a passion for racing, and, and that's different. That's different. My dad always used to say this and, and still says it. There's guys that can go fast, and there's guys that, that can race. And the guys that can race are few and far between. There's not as many of those. There's a lot of people that can go fast, but not a lot of people that can race. John could race, uh, and John wanted to race. Um, and, and he had that desire and that drive and that passion. And I, I was always fascinated by, by there was never, never in his career when, when, when he got to the end of one road, he just jumped on, on another road. Um, you, you know, you talk about drag racing, you talk about IndyCar, you talk about IMSA, you talk, okay, we're at the end of the, the IndyCar deal. Well, let's just, let's go run some NASCAR. Oh, let's go run some drag cars. Oh my God, let's go run some midgets again. Just stay sharp and we'll go to Bathurst or we'll do the drag car, whatever you want to do. And, and I, there's not a lot of guys, a lot of guys just sit at home and lick their wounds, um, feel sorry for themselves and, um, that, that things didn't work out the way they planned, um, but John made things happen, and, and that's a difference. That's a difference. So, you know, when he came to work for us, I, he obviously, growing up with Aldo, with his dad and that family around Mario and Michael and, you know, and, and that the whole group, um, and it's, it's, it's like growing up a petty and, and not knowing something about racing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just, through osmosis, you picked it up at about 18 months old. You knew that's what the world revolved around was racing. But, um, you know, when he, when he first went to drive th- there with my dad and, and Robbie Loomis and those guys, they fell in love with him, man. I mean, they just absolutely loved him. And I think my dad loved him because of what you, what we're talking about here, because my dad in him could see that if you gave John a shoebox, he was going to drive it, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I think that's one of the, one of our regrets is we never gave John good enough equipment to win on a consistent basis or good enough to run up front. Mm. Uh, when I came back to work there, it's funny when I came back to work there and John was there, um, and, and, you know, we'd, we'd take a car to the wind tunnel and we'd take four cars to the wind tunnel, whichever one was the best we'd give John. Um, because he was our guest. Wow. He was he was our guest. He wasn't family. When we when we when we dynoed engines, whichever engine had more horsepower or more stuff, <clears throat> we gave it to John, um, and and it went to the forty three and and to John Andretti and my dad's stuff. So, um, you know, we did it all we could, and we never did enough. And uh, he and I talked about it a million times. But you know, he was there when Adam passed away. He was there for so many things that happened in our life, and um, you know, it's just. It is. He's one of those guys that, you know, you're going to wake up once a week and just say, God, man, I wish I could call or talk to him. Mm. You know, there's a couple things that stand out, Kyle, that I think might be interesting to explore. So you mentioned last names. Obviously, he's a part of racing royalty yourself. You know, we can look down the line, the Ray Halls, multi-generational. Again, there's the forces. John, though, was not the son of Mario. He's the son of Aldo. And that's not said in any kind of negative way, but he was a bit unique to me in that he had the famous last name, but he didn't necessarily have that, that master key to unlock any door because of that last name, say in the same way his cousin Michael did, 
John always struck me as someone who, despite that last name, he had to earn what he got. There was no magic carpet rides to a great success or come drive everything because your last name, that had to be a little bit of a different thing. And then this guy showing up who's five foot, nothing who, (laughs) you know, might not have, you know, how's this position next to a David Pearson. You might not even see John in that photo. He doesn't, you know, might not have looked the part of, of a hero, but tell me about this guy who showed up as a part of your family to drive in cup, a new discipline for him. Uh, again, I know that he got to start before he came to y'all, but someone who had the last name, but didn't necessarily have that automatic green light and maybe didn't even look the part completely. We'll go to the look part. Um, he didn't look the part, but that's the time he, he came along at just the right time for stock car racing. Cause that's when, if you look around now, they all look like John Andretti. They don't look like David Pearson and Richard Petty anymore. You know what I mean? Lift they're the all, car all, off the ground if they had two types. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're all the small guys now. So, you know, he was a forerunner to that. And um, But, you, you know, I, I think the thing is, and, and you, the, the thing is for, for all of us, you know, is, is the Andretti name gets you through the door. The Petty name gets you through the door. Uh, the Ray Hall name gets you through the door. But eventually when you get there, you got to do something. You got to do something. They're not going to keep you around just because, just because you're you're a legacy and, and your family's done this their whole life. You know, even your dad doesn't keep you around forever. I can tell you that. So <laughs> I, I think when you when you look at it, um, I, I think the the it was intriguing to have an Andretti, and and I think that was the thing for for Billy Hagen and those guys. You know, when he did the double double, and and that was unfreaking heard of unheard of dude what do you mean this guy's gonna run indy and then come down here and jump in a stock car are you guys crazy (laughs) you know and he did it and and he did it uh as well as anybody else he did not have the equipment that tony had later he did not have the equipment some of those other guys uh but he did more with his stuff than they did with theirs really when you when you go back and look at it because they should have won every race they were in so i I look I, i look at that but you know he didn't, he didn't, he never, the funny part is he never, um, I mean, you know, my name's Andretti. How about opening this door for me? My name's, you know, Andretti. How about, you know, my uncle's Mario, my dad's Aldo, you know, we've been in racing and all this stuff and formula one and yada, yada, yada. And I can link myself to all this stuff. No, you know, John talked about none of that stuff. Um, John talked about Jared. John talked about Olivia. You know, John talked about his family and what they could do and what he wanted to do and his aspirations for his kids and, and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, he, I don't think, you know, it was funny when, when he came and drove and um, drove here and, uh, and, and drove for my dad. You know, everybody, I think he hated more than anything when they would put Andretti and Petty together. You know mm. what I mean? Because that's, that's, you know, sometimes when you're, you're there and you just want to be – John Smith, you know what I mean? I, I know a million times I wanted to be Kyle Smith, so you just wanted to be that and, and let it ride and, and let your talent speak for itself. And, and listen, I think John's talent did speak for itself, and I think when you when you look at his total work, um, it speaks for itself. If you could, Kyle, maybe knowing that John is someone who just seemed to be a beloved teammate, uh, a fun character, a really dedicated character. Are there any any stories that come to mind of your time with John that you know for those who weren't on the inside maybe would enjoy hearing? Okay, I, listen, he was he 
I, and I will say this. I am a terrible teammate. And would, would, because I didn't grow up in a time when they, there were teammates. You know what I mean? It was me, 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 me. That's the way it is. You know what I mean? And, and I think John taught me to be a better teammate. Um, you know, and, and, and he understood the teammate concept a, a lot more. But I'm, I'm going to tell you the funniest thing that, that I will ever, that, that, and I, we used to laugh about it. So we, you know, he drove the General Mills car and, and I drove for Sprint and for, Georgia Pacific, a couple of different companies and, and, and stuff. So anyhow, we had to go to the Mall of America for General Mills to make an appearance. Um, and they have at the Mall of America at the time, at the time, they had these little simulators. They had these, it was NASCAR simulators. And they had, they had a Cheerios car, one of John's cars, and they had painted one up for mine. And, you know, I think they had, oh my God, you know, they might, they probably had a Jeff Gordon car and a Dale Dale Earnhardt car, you know, and, and they they were just lined up in this the same, and you would flip the screens, and all the screens were the same, mm. and you were racing each other. You know what I mean? You you were just yep. racing each other. It was a, it was a cool little program, kind of like something that they have at the Hall of Fame right now. So we we so they wanted us to race these fans. You know what I mean? Well, John, he's listen. We're back to what you your your comment a, a moment ago. If we're gonna race, you know, if we're gonna race grocery carts, he's gonna win. You know what I mean? Or he's ain't sure going to give it his best shot. So he's all pumped up and we're in this thing and he's in his and I'm in mine. And then we've got fans in the other ones and, and they drop the flag on this thing. And me, I yak all the time. So I just get to talk and talk and talk. You know what I mean? And almost like commentating while we're doing it. And John starts looking over at me. Okay. And out the side of his car, out the side of this little car. And they're like, they're small cars. <laughs> But what happens is he would look at me and then look back at the screen and look at me and look back at the screen. And you get that sensation of almost vertigo where have you ever pulled into a parking place and know you had your foot on the brake, but you're looking down and the car behind beside you begins to back up oh. and, it gives you the, and it gives you that warped. Your head begins to spin because you don't know where it's at. John, just shut it down, got out of the car with solid white. I thought he was going to throw up. And I'm like, okay, big time race car driver. You get sick in a simulator playing a kid's game. <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed and laughed. And I'm telling you, man, I mean, it took his breath away. He was he was queasy for about 10 or 15 minutes because it just, it gives you that, that feel to it. You know what I mean? But John was just, John was... John was the guy, I, I will say this, and, and this is what I remember more than anything else, uh, and I will always remember. When Adam passed away, um, then John was there. You know, John was there. John understood. John knew it. John knew Adam. John knew us. John knew how I felt about Adam. John had helped Adam, um, and it was personal to him, too. Mm. And I think the conversations that we had um, during that period of time, knowing how much he cared for for our family, knowing how much my dad and how much we cared for him and, and how much he cared for Adam and how much he had helped Adam, um, still, you know, has always been. We talked about it in the Indianapolis airport a couple of years ago, sitting there, um, waiting on a plane to come back. And, um, I mean, you know, it was something that, that we always had, that we always shared, that we always had, that was always a part of who we were as, as people and who we were as friends. And, um, you know that, so that that's what I remember more than anything from John. Why don't we 
close on this, Kyle. I know that of all of John's success in motor racing, his win in 1999 at Martinsville really continues to be held up as one of NASCAR's finest, most celebrated. Uh, This was a pretty magical day in the sun. Uh, Curious if you can just share any thoughts or memories from that day. Uh, Again, knowing that this is, of all of John's legacy, boy, uh, if we could go back to 99 at Martinsville and just live that every day, I think the world would be a happier place. Yes, yeah, it would. You know, here's the thing. You know, that day, um, 99, you know, they, they had a, they had a good car. Um, and they, Robbie and and those guys made a great call and put John in position. Um, but I'm going to put you in position, but I'm not going to give you any tires. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to put you out there and you're going to be the setting duck. You know what I mean? You're going to, you're going to have to make something happen. Um, and, and here's the thing. You've got John Andretti in a position uh, to win a race. Um, and he knows he's got to make something happen. He's got to make something happen. But then you've got the added of uh, Richard Petty's won in that car 15 times at this racetrack. You know <laughs> no I mean? pressure. No pressure. Yeah. yeah. Richard Petty is a god at this racetrack. That 43 car, those people come out of the hills of Virginia and, and, and out of the Piedmont of North Carolina – to watch that 43, that petty blue and that bright orange STP car go around that racetrack. And they've seen it happen since the late fifties. And, and here we are, you know what I mean? Here we are almost 40 years later and the opportunity is there. And can they make it happen? Can it happen again? Can magic strike again? And it did. And, and I'm telling you, I have been a lot of places uh, when Earnhardt won at Daytona, um, when Jeff Gordon won that last race at Martinsville. Um, but from the fan perspective, from the fans in the stands and from the guys in the garage area, I, 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 no one in that place begrudged, was upset, was mad. Everybody came to victory lane. Everybody waited in, in the garage area to congratulate my dad and Robbie and John and, um, I mean, it was like you had just won the championship. That's how big it was. That, that's how big that victory was. And, and for my dad, it was huge. It, it was huge. Um, and, and it's funny. He's got – I was at his house, God, not long ago, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and he was moving some clocks around, and he's got uh, the replica clock from there because John got one and he got one, you know, mm. uh, as, as an owner. Um, and he, he's got – but he's got it in the living room. You know, of all his other ones, he's given away to, to Dale Inman and my sister, and all of us have one, but that one he kept. Wow. And, you know, so I, I think when you look at it, that is, you can look at the sport, you know, for, for the 60 or 70 years it's been around, and there's, you know, probably a couple of handfuls uh, of magical moments. Um, and that moment has to go down and has to rank uh, with one of the top five. Guess the last question here to, uh, to say farewell. What comes to mind, Kyle? Uh, I know, again, as we mentioned in the open, John said from the outset when this colon cancer diagnosis was made, this is, this is being found late. The prognosis is not good. We knew that there was going to be a finite point in how long we, we had with him. 
what comes to mind in having to transition to having that friend at the other end of the phone waiting for you to now speaking his name, uh, not just in the past tense, but maybe also getting a chance to now celebrate him even more. I don't know how dear friends move on from stuff like this. I've never figured out with loss. I'm just curious what yeah. comes to mind now. And, and I will say this, you, you, and, and I, I've, I've told a million people this, um, you don't really move on. Do you know? And, and I, I don't know how to explain this. Um, there are so many moments in my life, um, that go right back to 2000 when Adam's accident happened. And now there'll be moments that go back to, to this past week with John. Um, and it's not, but, but for some strange reason, it's like, and, and I tell people this, don't move past it. They just move with you because you carry them the rest of your life. Um, they're a part of you. John Andretti's a part of who I am. Adam Petty's a part of who I am. The people who have come and been a part of my life and that I've loved are a part of who I am. And, you know, I, I've always, always said, um, and anytime we, we do, you know, Charlotte for the 600 or we're at Indy doing stuff, then, you know, my go-to, my go-to name is John Andretti. It's mm. just John Andretti because he did the double first. He's the guy that understood that day. He's the, under, the guy that understood all that. And he's one of those guys. Uh, I, I will say this. He is one of those guys that we sadly, collectively as fans, I will say, really just took, and you hate to say it, but really just took the talent and took him for granted. But now as you look at what he's done, you know, he's like a Monet or, or a Picasso. When you look back and you think, oh my God, you know what I mean? He never did it while, never made it while he was here. Um, but I think the accolades and the, the recognition and the credit he deserves as a race car driver uh, will come. I do believe, and, and, and Jared and Olivia and, and Nancy, um, do you, they, they, who they are speaks volumes for who John Andretti was. Um, and that counts for a lot more than any trophy uh, and any win and anything you've ever done is, is, is who your family is and how those kids carry on. And I think from, from that perspective, he'll always be a champion. Thank you for listening to Remembering John Andretti on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Brought to you by the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and Cooper Tires. If this is your first time listening... More than 900 episodes are available at marshallpruittpodcast.com. We also have a subscribe page where Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other listening options are readily available.